Well, thank you guys for coming out tonight. We are in December. Can you believe this? This is December. And in this passage tonight is the ultimate question anyone could ask. What must I do to be saved? And the only answer is given, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. The only one way that one can be saved, have eternal life, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, that's what we get here. Uh, Of course, Peter had already mentioned that there is uh, salvation and no other name, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's Jesus Christ. So this is the story of salvation. And how do you take a negative situation that's going to happen to Paul and Silas and make a positive out of it? Well, the Lord always does. And that's what he's going to do again. He makes uh, the persecuted uh, individuals here turn out to be very productive as he works through them. And so that's what happens in Acts 16. We've already looked at a couple of cases uh, where we had Lydia, uh, and she was baptized there in Philippi. And also in Philippi, you have the slave girl, and uh, the demon is brought out of her. And because of that, the persecution is brought on. To, uh, to Paul and Silas. Yes? How did Jehovah's Witnesses handle that particular verse? What must I do to be saved? Oh, they would say, they would say, yes, Jesus Christ. You need Jesus Christ. But, um, you know, of course, it's, it's your works. It's, it's a works-based salvation, uh, what they have. So it would be all other things, you know. Um, being doing good. What what does it say? Huh? Just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah. and you should be saved. Yeah. A true a true trusting in Christ. And, and this is simple. This is right at the heart of the matter. This is justification by faith. Their Jesus yeah. Christ isn't the same as our Jesus. No, <laughs> no. Matter of fact, their Jesus Christ also was. Um, he's Michael the Archangel, and uh, he is um, Lucifer's brother. So they get archangels and man confused and um, the whole idea of God confused. Hell, I mean, you just name it, every major doctrine of our theology is at odds with them. But um, definitely uh, works-based and um, they're basing it on their goodness to, to get there. They have no guarantee. And then they knock each other out of yeah, if one of them replaces the one of the one in the hundred and forty four thousand, right? Yeah. Sydney and I were talking about that over at Bridgetown, and she was going. She said, "I gave more tracks than you did." <laughs> <laughs> that was the kind of thought. What was going on there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's why they do what they do. That's wow. why they busy people sometimes. You know, as they go out and give their tracks and. Materials and What's that? I just long to have. Oh, what must I do to be saved? What do I have to do to be saved? I've never in my life gotten that. Why? Why not? (laughs) I know. (laughs) We'd love that. What's that? And tried to tell them. Well, yeah. And they asked him to leave. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He went there one uh, one time at Kingdom Hall. He actually went there twice. Did he? Yeah. The first time I don't know what he said, but the second time he decided that he was going to share with them, and they asked him to leave. He he talked about Jesus Christ <laughs> and him being the only way, and they didn't like that. That definitely goes against their grain. And by the way. Uh, but be careful what you say. Whatever you say, I want somebody to come up to me because that's what that's what we want. What must I do to be saved, right? But what happens later after this? <laughs> I mean, before this, before this. <laughs> oh, it'd be great, wouldn't it? We'd we'd all be just jumping at the opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's good. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for your word, your truth here. We thank you about uh, this story, about um, salvation. And it is in the name of Christ that we're saved. And, uh, of course, there's nothing we can do, but you've given us the belief to be able to do that. Uh, you've, you've granted us faith. You've granted us repentance. And, yes, we do place our faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to uh, get to uh, individuals who are lost and uh, how great it would be if we could have somebody come up to us and ask us, uh, what does it take to be saved? Uh, usually it doesn't happen, but um, we know that there are people out there that are um, wanting to be saved and maybe not even know it right now, what they, what they really need. So, Lord, uh, help us uh, learn a little bit from this uh, passage tonight and uh, how great this salvation is and how great you are in working behind it and uh, that we can just be useful tools of um, bringing your gospel to the lost. In your son's name, amen. Well, um, Paul cast the demon out of the girl and her masters saw the hope of their great gains that they were having being washed right on down through the tubes, you know? Um, their hope is gone. I mean, their, their wallet was being filled because of this girl. You know, and of course, there were fortune tellers, there were palm readers, but evidently she was really good at what she did as she was possessed by the enemy. She was making a fortune for them. You know, these, are, these guys are agents for her, and they're taking in the gravy off of what... Um, what she was doing, and of course being possessed by uh, a demon, that um, a lot of supernatural things, I guess, could happen. But I got a feeling these guys that took advantage of her really cared less about her. Uh, here it is, really, she really got delivered from demonic possession. And uh, they didn't say, oh, she's delivered from that devil. These guys must be supernatural. We need to follow their way. Um, that's not the way that it works out. We'd like to see that happen. But um, many times it goes the opposite way. And so um, we look at the reason why there is persecution first and then the jail. And uh, some of these pictures, I think, are like what um, the jail was like there in Philippi. I think they uh, uncovered one. Um, and it's just a hole in the ground. And, of course, you can imagine that coming on in, and, and uh, really it was dark in there. That would be covered over. That's kind of cut into, yeah. That's not the actual one. Oh, it, you know, it, it could be, but it's there in Philippi, what they think to, that would have been a jail. Uh, let's, um, let's pick it up at verse 19. After um, the demon has come out of, out of the girl... But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, These men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews, and are proclaiming customs which it is not lawful for us to accept or to observe, being Romans. The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore the robes off them, proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So, they um, doing something good for God, serving the Lord, right? And here's the thanks they get. God throws them into prison, into jail. Uh, there's a reason uh, why, as um, we know what's coming up here. Um, but I can think of other places, you know, like in Mark 5, Jesus takes this little boat across the Sea of Galilee, goes to a place called uh, Gadarenes, and uh, there was a maniac there. You remember that? And, of course, uh, there was a deliverance. And then the, the pigs, you know. The, the, it's like the demon goes into the herd of pigs. The herd of pigs go running off and, boom, they drop off into the water, right? Well, the townspeople got really angry over that. 
I mean, this is their, many of them, they're, they're living, or whoever owned those pigs, right? And they asked Jesus, and actually probably told him to leave. <laughs> so this is not a, a first whenever a demonic possession has happened. They knew how evil it was. They stayed away from the man. The man was crazy. And uh, they wouldn't have a chance if they were to, to fight against him. So they didn't hang out where he hung out. Uh, but he's delivered of that, and you would have thought they would have just been thanking uh, Jesus for doing what he did, and of course, what do they do? Get out of here. Um, so anyway, um, you you remember in Acts 19, we're not there yet, so I don't know how you can remember unless you've read the story ahead of time, which I'm sure you probably already have. <laughs> but you're in Ephesus there. A riot comes out as... Paul had been preaching and actually been teaching and preaching for like, what, three years or something like that. All sorts of great things were happening. And of course, people were getting healed and demons were cast out. The Word of God was being preached. And uh, it dominated that city of Ephesus. You know, it was a very pagan city. Um, but you know what happens? All of a sudden, they're saying, great is Artemis or Diana of the Ephesians and the whole city comes out like a riot and they start doing protest. <laughs> Sounds familiar, doesn't it? When a crowd gets together, it's amazing what they can do. Only thing, this kind of crowd was not astonished by the Word of God and all of a sudden it turned into the idol-making business that they had and money uh, and um, there you had uh, a riot. So we see something that sounds familiar. You, you teach the gospel and you see what God does in salvation and it makes many people nervous. They get really mad when the Word of God is being proclaimed. And so we have uh, Paul getting a little bit of taste here of what he used to do whenever he was the persecutor rather than the persecuted. In verse 19, But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the Agora marketplace. They dragged them there. That means literally in the Greek it means to take by the heels. To drag by the heels. That's pretty humiliating, isn't it? As they would be literally on the ground just dragging them in there. But if we were to go back to Acts 8.3, we would see that um, Paul gets a little taste, I guess, of the medicine that he used to dish out. Um, but Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. And, uh, of course, in Acts 9, we wind up seeing that... Um, uh, Paul was converted, and we also know that um, his whole life changed. But uh, God told him that um, he is to preach the gospel to uh, everybody, the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel for his namesake, and he would be persecuted as that happened. And so here it is, uh, right here in... In Acts 16, we see this happening. And we tend to kind of uh, gloss over this. Oh, yeah, he was put in prison and put in jail. He was, he was dragged and, and then um, uh, beaten by rods and put in the stocks. But um, that's, that's a real serious thing. It's a thing that uh, people died over uh, many t times. And, but anyway, uh, I think it's a great opportunity. That's, that's the way that, that Paul... I think has to take this. Um, him and Silas and other ones would get into a mess by being bold. Bold with the gospel. And I think it's going to go over and over like this all throughout church history. Don't ever restrict the boldness because there might be some persecution happening. But the good thing about it is that persecution translates into your boldness taking getting opportunities. Because that's really what God is getting ready to do. We tend to see the ugliness of it all, but God really has other people in mind that are going to be saved through this. 
So he uses this method. And so um, you might remember going all the way back even to Acts 4. As early as Acts 4, um, the Gospels preached. And who gets thrown into prison? You remember Peter? Uh, Peter and John. And so they got out of jail and they were told not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. Yeah. That that didn't stop them, did it? And so they went out and preached again and a whole bunch of people got saved. <laughs> you know, God has always something in mind. So the Lord always brings results. If things just don't go the way that uh, you would think that they ought to go. You say, well, you know, doesn't... Shouldn't the Lord reward them? Why would He bring on this kind of punishment to them? Uh, actually, it's an opportunity. <laughs> hard, to, hard to say it that way, but that's what's happening. Where are they dragged to? Drag them into where? Marketplace. The Agora. That is the place where everything is. That's where everything is happening. That's what downtown High Street used to be. That used to be the marketplace. Now it's different places. You know, you can take the strip malls, the mall, and is anything happening out the mall anymore anyway? I think it's the Walmart. The Walmart. That's pretty well the Agora today. But uh, that's a great place to be. Uh, the Latin word means forum. And really, it was the big center, the, the city center. You have the Senate house there, the courts. You have the temple, the places of public office. You have the magistrates, the official name of these uh, magistrates, um, when you look at verse 20, when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, the word is duo, riri. Duo means two. They would have two of them that were ruling the city. That was the official name. Um, there was a Roman title, the praetors. Uh, every Greek colony that was a Roman colony in a Greek city they were given these two men. And these two guys had the total supreme authority of the city. And that's who they're brought before. And this is a big city. So these are two really important people. And it would be like being brought before like governors and senators. You know, I mean, you're, you're talking uh, big-name people. So they were brought right to them. And, of course, these guys say these men are throwing our city into confusion and they're, they're Jews. And uh, now we, we bring in anti-Semitism here. And that was a big thing in the Roman world, uh, especially at this time. If you look in chapter 18, verse 2, and he found a, na- a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, having recently come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla. Why? Because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. Now that was a mass exodus that they were uh, getting invited to. Uh, get out of here. Get out of Rome. And so all the Jews, um, they left. They were thrown out of Rome and I'm sure that a lot of news had gone into the other cities, the colonies, uh, important places. And the same kind of thing was happening. Uh, word gets around quick. And uh, so it, it was probably reaching Philippi at this time too. Now that's chapter 18, verse 2. That's like a couple of chapters over. So the Emperor Claudius in Rome uh, commanded them to get out. Now that's, that's anti-Semitism, isn't it? Can you imagine that? Um, and here you have Paul and Silas who are Jews. I think it's a marvelous thing that God has just the right men from the right nationality with the right citizenship and the right background to do exactly what He wants to do. They are Jews, and yet at the same time they are Roman citizens. But that's not brought out yet. That's interesting. You'd think Paul would be using that right now when this happens. But we don't see that. Um, these guys charge them um, as they uh, have been dragged there. The city has gone into confusion. Um, 
the Greek word means exceedingly troubled or chaos. Yeah. These guys are just throwing this city into chaos. It's probably true. Probably was. I mean, I mean, what they were preaching was was something that uh, people were um, um, following in a way. It, it got some interest. Definitely got noticed. They had been around a while, and now people have heard about what has happened. Uh, just very, uh, very soon, according to this, has there been the, the demon thrown out of the, the lady. Um, so they go on and say in verse 21 and are proclaiming customs which it is not lawful for us to accept or to observe being Romans so they're proclaiming customs yeah the Romans had a law that um, no Roman could believe or follow the teachings of any religion that was not approved by the senate or the government mainly it revolved around the Caesar Caesar is Lord he was the one that uh, people would worship, the emperor. But they did allow certain worship on uh, some of the other pagan religions. Uh, but it had to be approved by the government. And um, there's a new deal coming out here about Christ. And uh, evidently the approval hadn't gone through for uh, Christians. <laughs> and so they start using that um, as the bait there. They said they're teaching things that are anti-Roman. And um, they're saying, we're not allowed to believe them. And here's what they're doing right here in our city. So, um, they say they're against Roman law. Well, there they are, uh, on this right on the spot. You have a kangaroo court. Uh, they're proven guilty here um, before they even have a chance to show their innocence. You have a mob scene. And, uh, of course, here's what happens whenever you get a mob going. All it takes is a few people. In verse 22, the crowd rose up together against them. And the chief magistrates tore their robes off them, proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. So you get, you get the crowd, and they're chanting, and uh, things are going crazy. And, um, boy, it seems like you have, all of a sudden, the whole city against you. Things are going favorable. And now this happens. You know, somebody sticks a fire under somebody and they start boiling. And matter of fact, a lot of the people start getting in on it and they don't have any idea what they're doing. That sounds so familiar with what's been happening not only in Ferguson, now it's spread out all across the United States and many different cities. I think New York City has a big thing going on last night and carrying on. And uh, it doesn't matter... Of course, I'm putting out things that are current. But uh, it doesn't matter if somebody um, did strong-arm robbery. And it doesn't matter if somebody's struggling with the policeman to get their gun. It doesn't matter if he slugged the policeman. All of that is ruled out, and all of a sudden something comes up that it's a racial deal. <laughs> and then all the crowd just goes nuts. And what I've been surprised, not just the crowd there, but it seems like politically correct thing to do is to jump all over the policemen today now. And if if you're not with what they're doing, you're in a minority. Uh, Fox News actually uh, takes a different angle. I think, have you guys seen that? Fox News uh, shows, I think, what is the um, true side of it. And how the crowd just goes around destroying stuff that has nothing to do with anything. That's the one that's left me the most bizarre and their own town. Yeah. Well, I, I think it shows the um, um, the depravity of man when he when he gets an opportunity to just go crazy and go wild and just do anything that he wants to do and pretty well get away with it. Well, That's what people will do. In the world today that it's against the law to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you, you are subject to uh, being beheaded or hung or shot or something, just if you let it know or somebody finds out you're a Christian. Because the whole country, the laws, it's illegal to be a Christian. That's right. So this is nothing... Nothing new, is it? Yeah. I mean, I think we can identify uh, with this. 
And if you were to be proclaiming Jesus Christ at the wrong place at the wrong time, this same kind of up um, gathering of people would would could very well happen. Um, so that's an amazing thing. Uh, times really haven't changed. You um, you have the local police here, and they're told to do um, by what the magistrates and the leaders have there. Um, the crowds are just chanting it off, so the magistrates take the the lead, and then they have the uh, police come in there. They're ordered to to beat these guys with rods. Um, now there would be a pile of rods, and they'd wrap these rods together. Now, if it was for capital punishment, they would put an axe in the middle of it. But if it's not for capital punishment, then they take out the axe. And, uh, of course, in this case, they don't use the axe, but they take a bundle of rods and they just start flailing people. And, of course, that's reminiscent of what happened to Christ. And uh, we're talking uh, lashes and deep lashes that are into the back and all over the body, the legs and... Um, just everything they just wailed away at them uh, to the point of almost death, and some people would die as a result of it. Look in Second Corinthians chapter eleven. Yeah, you get enough people that are really in on this, and all of a sudden things just get out of hand. It's amazing what what they would do with these these rods, and Paul experienced it. Um, 2 Corinthians 11.23 Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. In far more labors and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number. How many times was he beaten? Often to danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. That was the same kind of beating that Jesus had, the 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods and that's what we have here. One of them right there in Philippi. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I've spent in the deep. You go on and on, and all the different journeys that we had. Um, you know that um, that idea of the the health wealth gospel goes against the grain of what happened to Paul and the rest of the apostles, and down through church history, you don't really see a um, all this um, health and wealth thing happening, uh, you see Christians being persecuted, torched, killed in so many different ways. You read Fox's Book of Martyrs and uh, you see a lot of sad stories there. And you can say, why would anybody want to become a Christian whenever these kind of things happen? Well, we count the cost and we realize that the same thing could happen to us, but we usually think, well, if you're a Christian and you're living right, then you can probably escape all of that. And in our time, uh, up until maybe recently, that was probably true in a lot of ways, I guess, uh, in some ways. But um, being a Christian doesn't always mean everything is going to go right. What? Being a non-Christian. Are you kidding? <laughs> Are you just finding this out as a brand new? What am I doing here then? That's what we ought to ask. If this is the kind of thing that happens, why would I want this? <laughs> it really sobers me when I, I read that list of all that he's been through because I whine when my back hurts or, you know, various other things. And that's just like nothing compared to what he went through and then, of course, what Christ has gone through previously. Yeah. I know. It does really bring out... Um, well, that's a little bit of something that happened to him and, and others. The, they, put him in, they put them in stocks, too. And of course, we think of the stocks in early America. You think of uh, your feet and your hands. You know, We've all seen the pictures of that. Well, that's bad enough. But archaeology has discovered the stocks that they used back in those days, and there were a series of holes that got wider and wider as they had those holes, and it spread the legs of that individual as far as they could until they would get cramping 
into their legs. Anybody ever woke up with a Charlie horse? Boy, I do all the time. And I have to get up out of bed, and I have to try to walk it off or just do something. You know, I can't lay there. It just gets worse. Oh, it hurts. And uh, I have that many times. <laughs> and uh, cramping of the legs is, is not a lot of fun, but, you know, it, it'll eventually go away. Well, after all the beating that is done, to the, almost to the point of death, they're put into this filthy dungeon. It stinks. It's absolute filth. Their legs are stretched out to the extremity to induce this kind of cramping. It's excruciating. They've been beaten with these heavy rods. Backs are just a horrible pulp. And sometimes these things, you know, they, they can break their vertebrae in their back, uh, broken ribs. Like I say, many times a lot of them would just die. These guys endured all that. Can you imagine the aching and the, the bleeding? And they're not washed off or anything. There, they have just blood all over them, and into this jail cell that's dark. There's no light in there, and uh, they're going through all this confinement. Not to mention the lice, the rats, the disease, all of this infestation that's in this horrible place where they're put. And I know I, I make jokes a lot about every time Paul would go into a city, guess where he'd get to stay at the first night, you know. Uh, but that's not really that funny. Yeah, Lord. Does your verse 23 actually use the word stop in it? Uh, verse 23? When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to guard them and He, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Yeah, I didn't get to that verse yet. I think usually most versions would probably have stocks there. But now we know that it's a lot worse than the ones that we think of during the, the, the Puritan time, the 1600s or so. Um, anyway, you think then that Paul later wrote the book of Philippians, it's a letter, and he's writing about joy to the Philippians. And he's also saying that he was actually chained to the guards when he wrote Philippians from Rome, right? He was in jail there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there, but it was for the furtherance of the gospel. He even got to, to preach the gospel, not only to the guy that was chained to him. What a great opportunity. And then all the people in the, in that whole area there. So what he, if he didn't learn it by this time, he did later. Oh, okay, I see. God is setting up an opportunity for me here. Uh, wow. Um, I have a note here. Philippians two seventeen. Here it is in Philippians. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. Share my joy. You, you too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. And so he writes to the Philippians. You know, he became really good friends with them. He was there for quite some time. And um, here it is as he writes to them. He was a drink offering. He was a sacrifice. It was all about service. And he says, but I have joy. I rejoice. And I, I share that with you. By the way, I want the joy off of you too. <laughs> he says. Wow. What an attitude. What an attitude Paul had. You, you would think he'd say, I'm, I'm mad at God. God is not doing anything for me. I I do everything that I'm supposed to be doing. I'm doing it right, and look what I get right in the face. We would tend to think that, you know. I mean, if something happened like this, I I'm not so sure how I would take it. I heard a testimony today, this morning, related to me about a woman that uh, she had a, a daycare center and somebody dropped out and it was a 
five or six hundred dollar loss in income because this one child did not come anymore. And her attitude was, why is this happening to me? What's God doing? I do everything. I'm, I go to church every Sunday. And here this is, you know, such a minor thing. And all she did was complain and gripe and blame God. And, and hear Paul. I don't think he looked at this as an opportunity either. Uh, this was just Paul's life. Yeah. He was so filled with Christ that he couldn't help it. He didn't. He didn't say, "Well, no, now this is a great opportunity. We're going to get no. witnesses." No. No. He just couldn't help himself. Yeah. That's everywhere he went. That's what he's Christ. I mean, you know, he's going to share Christ. By the way, that he. And he just happened to be in jail. Just happened to be in a lot of jails, but yeah. I mean, how could he do anything else? There was nothing else that that's what he was called to do: preach it and whatever comes with it. But uh, yeah, that's a good illustration about the lady. I I think Christians tend to think. Hey, if I do everything right, then God will reward me and everything will go just smooth. We would like that. That'd be a, sure be a lot easier, but that's not not ever really promised that way, is it? Here, it can be. You know. I think that's the danger that if everything did go smooth, we'd forget about God. Wouldn't need Him, would we? Yeah. When everything's going right, perfect, everything's supplied. You don't have any needs. You forget about God. You're right. Or like, like Satan said to God about Job. He said, of course he serves you. Exactly. Because exactly. you blessed him with this walk around. Why wouldn't he serve you? Oh. That's right. Take that now, then we'll see. That whole book of Job, there was a reason for all of that. And yes, he lived a righteous life. God had blessed him. But, yeah. yeah, I think. Um, but he didn't serve God when he was blessed, and quit serving him when right. the tragedies came. He right. Continued to serve God. That's right. That's. I think that's the whole point. And it's not that we want um, tragedies to come. It's not that we want persecution to come, and um, you know. It, but when they do, how are we going to respond? And yeah. uh, they, uh, yes. Do you remember? You know, my granddaughter, her husband. Yes. This is what he wrote two nights ago. Yeah. Two nights ago, he wrote, "I used to be mad at God. It would be so easy for him to just take me around the dark storm, and he chooses not to. Instead, he makes me go right through it." I used to hate this until I realized hmm. he didn't make me go alone. He was always there and still is. He made me go through it to make me a stronger person, to teach me lessons. I only understood this after I stopped blaming him for all the bad and started thanking mm-hmm. him for all the good. And wow. he... That's, brand new. that's, brand that's new. timely. I, I love that. That's that incredible. Was, you know, this, this was a kid that didn't believe in anything. Hmm. So. Incredible. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's just right up to date. You just you just gotten that. Uh, yeah. Yep. Interesting. That's the right attitude. God gave him that attitude. Yeah. So when things aren't going right with us, all we really have to think of is you know really it's amazing that God gives us breath. And then you go on from there. Look, you know, we don't ever miss a meal. Got a nice warm place to live in. I mean, you just go on and on with the physical blessings, you know, temporal blessings and things. But you really think of the spiritual blessings that He gives us. My! It just goes on and on. That's what's so good about Thanksgiving. But if if we just have nothing but blessings, we can forget. Like Eldon was saying, we, we can start forgetting to really be thanking Him. And all of a sudden, it's like, I'm holding on to other things rather than all I've got is God. Whether I have this or don't have it, what really counts is the Lord Himself. All this other stuff can go, and it will. <laughs> yeah, but So there they are. Um, 
we go on to verse 25, the rest of the story. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. <laughs> had no choice. And suddenly there came a great earthquake. Well, can you imagine that? <laughs> so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke, saw the prison doors open, drew his sword, was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for lights, rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. He took them that very hour of the night, washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. He brought them into his house, set food before them, rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. Now, praising God. I don't know that we've ever suffered, I don't think there's anybody here that's suffered, that could be this kind of suffering, that could relate to what they just went through. I know there's been some pretty horrendous suffering, but what they went through was uh, to a point of almost dying, that God keeps them alive. And you see the attitude of these guys in the midst of this. And it says at midnight. You know what happened? We were talking about we couldn't sleep earlier. <laughs> these guys couldn't sleep. I wonder why they couldn't sleep. Um, could it be how they were beaten? There's no way they're going to sleep. They don't ever muscle in their body is just bruised and sore and just ravaged by what had just happened to them. And so there's no way they're they're going to sleep. So they they prayed. They just talked to God for a while. And I love this. And they sang praises unto God. Sang praises. <laughs> well. The prisoners hear them. Who knows how many there are there. And, uh, you know, what a witness that's being there. Um, I know in John 16:22, you'll have sorrow, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Remember that? Um, they're singing away in pain that's just absolutely unbearable. Singing praises. And they're not saying... Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. <laughs> They're singing praises. They're not singing those dirges. <laughs> um, you know, I you got to be above your circumstances, and that's where the Lord takes us. And we can get to just like you know, getting that attitude uh, from Frida just read there. Uh, sounds like a real mature Christian. And we'd pray that uh, he keeps that attitude no matter what happens. We, we'd pray that he'd get relief there, you know, and things would, uh, you know, pan out for the good, and they will. But, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, you can base your whole Christian life, your whole Christian attitude on who you are in Christ. And, well, if we keep that it it, um, it helps to be able to go through those things Janice Hicks uh, this friend Janice Hicks you know her the yeah right mm -hmm. her dad was a minister and he was in the St. Mary's Hospital when he died and two days four two days before he died uh, he laid in bed and all he did was sing hymns. Hmm. And he had a good voice. He was a very talented singer. The hospital staff turned on the intercom. Hmm. And him, sing, him singing the hymns went all through the hospital. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> Isn't that great? The whole hospital heard it. That's beautiful. Turned on the intercom and let everybody hear it. Boy, God worked in that, didn't He? Boy, that's that's man, that's what you love to hear. That is uh, that's quite the witness. Yeah, the Second Corinthians four eight. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, verse seven. So that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God, and not from ourselves. So the power of God just you know works right on through us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, not despairing, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also be, manif- be manifested in our body. Of course, I think there, there he is in the hospital, and he's manifesting Christ as he sings these hymns, and it goes on through the intercom, and uh, going through some uh, a tough, tough time, and yet still being able to show the life of Christ, manifested, being able to be seen. Heard. So, verse 26 then gets the salvation story. Um, God does whatever He needs to do to get what He needs to be done, He will do. And um, with Lydia, He uh, opened her heart, and it was a real kind of a a soft way, like a flower of the dawning sun, you know. (laughs) And here, it's this guy, and it takes uh, this incredible earthquake (laughs) to get him. How many different ways that God uses. And it's a specific earthquake. You know, it's probably a localized, right there at the jail. Uh, and the effect is that it opened all the doors, it opened all the chains, and so it's a special earthquake for the really this this jailer. And I think that that's God working in this, and I think He has set this all up and uh, got this man to be uh, ready uh, for for this. And this goes to show you that God, whatever He wants to do, um, salvation, whatever He wants to accomplish something. He'll even use um, a moving earth to accomplish his purpose. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's I mean, that's a sovereign God. And uh, that's so good to know that he's going to get done what he's going to do. Now, the man, uh, sh- to show you how shaken that he is, he thinks this is it for him because they've, they've escaped and it's his fault. And um, actually, the word there that um, that he uses, he drew his sword. That's the word for a dagger. Uh, I think that's makaros. I think it's the word for that. But it's uh, it's not a great big big wielding sword like this. You know, it's um, kind of a about this size, something used by hand. And so it's a, just a big knife, a, a dagger. And uh, he's getting ready to take his own life. But he knew what was in store for him. His prisoners got away. Remember when the stone was rolled away from the tomb and Jesus was not there? They took the guards and killed him. The Roman guards. The Roman guards. Yeah. And that was what was going to be his fate. Yeah, he would be, he would be killed. Uh, so he'd rather kill himself rather than them do it. And that's, I mean, that's how serious of a thing this is. Yeah, right. And then all of a sudden, Paul says, "Hey, don't do yourself any harm. We're all here." Um, I don't know the reaction of the jailer there uh, at that time, but you can imagine, right? They're all here. Um, and you know, it's amazing. Why didn't the prisoners just leave? You know, if they're open there. Um, well, God kept them there. Some reason they didn't leave, though they. Um, 
maybe a lot of them were so scared of what was going on that they, they weren't going to get out of there, you know. And yeah, that's true. There's no light in there, and of course that's why they say, you know, turn on your, get some light in here, or it's what he does as he goes in. And um, this guy's on his knees. Paul and Silas are standing there, and salvation is so sovereign. It's a work of God. This man is convicted. He doesn't know all what the gospel is all about. He's totally foreign to it, coming from his background. And all he knows is that he's a lost man. And for one thing, he thought his physical life was going to be taken. And uh, he had no answers to all of this. And uh, life was absolutely meaningless. And um, all of a sudden, it's like he, he, he knows he's a sinner. He knows that everything that comes out of this, I mean, you know, he's falling down. You know, he knows something, there's going to be some kind of judgment on him. You know, what, what, you know, and they just reeked with who Christ was just coming out of their own lives through this whole ordeal. Um, and so that's, that's just the way that, that Paul lived his life. And, of course, um, there's no way that this man missed some of this. You know, and, of course, the... The singing, uh, we don't know where he was at the time. Some say he probably lived right there close to the jail and maybe he was there with the night sleeping with his family. And uh, But he, he asked that great question and he knows that something has to be changed about him. And he, he says, sirs, uh, lords, masters. You know, it's a, a, a term of respect. And uh, they say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you should be saved. Just... Just like that. That's how quickly this man uh, is saved. There was a rich man that uh, hung around Jesus one time and uh, said, "What do I need to do? You know, I've followed all the commandments. What 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 else should I I do?" And uh, of course, Jesus told him, "Sell all you have and uh, give to the poor." And he struck him right where he needed to really struck a nerve because that was the man's problem. There wasn't a repentance there. Um, He really couldn't put all of his faith in Christ. It would be Christ plus something, you know, and all of his riches. And there was a barrier there, and that's why Christ went right for uh, that pinpoint truth of what his need really was. He didn't see it. This man, this jailer, really did see his need. And and he needed uh, something beside himself. You can't help but wonder if any of those prisoners became converts too. I have to think. Yeah, because they've been listening. You have to wonder, you know. You really have to think of what would happen to some of them. We don't get the the story on that, but... um, But it didn't affect everybody because the policemen, the magistrates, none of them believed. Nope. So... And uh, yeah, even even with all that was went on, but we know that salvation um, apart from faith in Christ cannot happen, and that's why it's capitalized. You could say it a lot of different. They, they you know why didn't they go to the 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 Ten Commandments and why didn't they do that? And they just say believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Uh, knowing the context there probably helped. But that's that's the simple gospel. Believe on Him. Trust in Him. Him alone. That's the only way you can be saved. And so a lot of different people, are, they already know they have the need. He knew He had His need. And trust in Christ. Uh, awful, awful simple, but that's, that's what it is. And um, it's not only a question of believing in your heart, but being willing to, to take a public stand. And that's what we see uh, in this man right here. After they say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. So they heard the word of God. And I don't know whether some of them had come in because of that earthquake. Because it doesn't say till a few verses later that he went. they then go to the house. And it's like maybe some of the household are with him, some of the people that, you know, his family, his wife, maybe whoever's there. Um, I'm not so sure. They do go to the house, but it seems like a later thing. But he's willing to take this stand. He's willing to share it with other people just like that. 
and um, there's a public declaration. You have baptism. Um, spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. Took them the very hour of the night. Washed their wounds. So their service right there, you know, they were a bloody mess. And immediately he was baptized after they were cleaned off and such. And then they to show that you know this is what happened to him. You know what a great illustration. And um, people in his in his household, um, they believed and they heard the word of God. They, the guy couldn't have cared less about them moments before or hours before. Uh, just like that, in a flash, in an instant, he's washing their wounds. <laughs> Carmela. With the, with the short term of here, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you say, because usually if you say that to people, oh, that's all I got to do. And of course, their lives never change and such. I think the context and the setting here probably is everything, because we see a full orb gospel being blown out all the way through the Book of Acts. And of course, they're preaching the whole gospel about the Messiah and uh, people's sin, the need to repent. We know that there has to be faith, there has to be repentance. We know that God does that. You've got to preach, you know, there's grace. I think in this sense here, the man was so knocked out with his need of repentance and the need of forgiveness and his state. Maybe he had heard the gospel preached by them as they were in the jail and overheard it. We don't know all the stuff that's on there beforehand. But in a nutshell, when it all comes down to it, it comes down to simply trusting Christ. But yes, the demons believe and they shudder. And he also knew that they had earlier had cast out some kind of evil spirit out of that young girl, which is what got him in jail to begin with. So he did have more background to them than just hearing just need to be saved. Yeah, we don't know the the whole context. But I think the heart of the gospel is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, confess with your mouth, right? And I think of Romans 10. Believing your heart, confessing with your mouth um, that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? And and we're not offering a cheap gospel. I know that sometimes that that is you know, that's why we want to make sure that we um, give as much gospel as the people can understand about the death and burial and resurrection and um, all of who Christ is, but. Sometimes you don't have all that time, and of course we don't get the whole point here. And I think as we look, um, verse 32, after they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved, you and your household. In verse 32, And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. So I think there, now all of a sudden, they started bringing forth who Christ really was, who who He was that they were to be trusting in. So I think we get probably a lot more of the Gospel than just well, just believe in Jesus because that's the kind of gospel that I think is being offered today where people are filling the... Ch- well, I don't even say filling the churches, but filling the pews and their life has never been changed. You know, and of course, um, you know, there there needs to be repentance declared and we, we know that. But um, And sometimes some people don't need to hear the law because they've already gotten... They know they're sinners. And, I mean, it's like the Lord has already already prepared them uh, to the point where they just need to trust. But I think the explaining of the Word of God there to them as they heard and believed, and that's what the Gospel does require. Faith comes by hearing, the hearing a word about Christ. Yeah, Barb. Well, when you were talking just a second ago about these other... Teachers, you know, and what they're teaching, and you said, started to say it was filling the churches mm-hmm. back in that vein. Did, it crossed my mind. Don't do you think that? Well, I mean, I'm, it's kind of a rhetorical question because I, I struggle with it myself sometimes, but not always. But I have a lot easier time accepting Christ as my Savior than I do Christ as Lord of my life. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Do you uh, think that's the case? That, there's a... a um, oh, yeah. Um, 
And I remember, well, just uh, personal circumstances. I always remember hearing uh, you can have Jesus as your Savior now, and later on you make Him Lord of your life. Now, really, uh, a Christian has Him as Savior and Lord. You can't divide Christ. He is He is that. And it's because God made Him Lord and Savior. Um, we don't make Him Lord, Lord and Savior, but that's who He is. But uh, it's it's a lot easier to have Him as Savior, but as Lord. And, of course, that's the whole point of saying that He is Lord. No one can really say He's Lord unless by the Holy Spirit. But, but when we say Lord, we're saying He's the Master. He's in control of my life. But I think as one becomes more and more of a Christian, the more that they see Him as the one who is their their Lord. He's controlling over them, and they embrace that. Um, and I don't think we in our day really know what Lord and King is about because we don't have that kind of um, ruling authorities here. We, you know, we, but a natural man doesn't like authority. So therefore, I'd rather have a Savior and not Lord. Maybe later on, after I get to live, what, sow the wild oats, then I'll make Him Lord. And that's the fallacy that I grew up here. I heard that kind of gospel. And kids would get saved at camp. I put, quote, saved. And then later on, about three or four years later, they'd walk down the aisle in church. And now they're making, even though they're saved, now they're making Him uh, as Lord. And that, to me, at even my young age, I'd hear that and I'd go, something's not right with that. That's not right. I couldn't tell you why at the time, but it wasn't, it just didn't seem right. Yeah, he's Lord and Savior. Yeah, but well, it's nice. I'll just live the way that I want, and then whenever I'm uh, ready, then then I'll, I'll I'll start following His commands. And I I think in that sense, is that really trusting in Christ? No. Just to... well, we'll. Uh, Sew this thing up. Very hour of the night, washed the wounds, immediately baptized household, brought them into his house, set food before them. Now he's washed their wounds, gives them food. They rejoice greatly, I guess so, having believed in God with his old household. And you know what? I think the service there is amazing. I think you see a transformation. And by this, all men will know you're my disciples because you what? Have love for one another. If you love God, if you love the Son, Jesus Christ, then you will love others. And he showed that right off the bat. This is that old crusty jailer who was probably hard and tough. You had to be a, be a jailer. And uh, there, there it is. I mean, this is a converted life. But what's Paul's concern now? Well, make sure to get back in the jail. They, they evidently went to the guy's house. It's probably very close there, maybe right next to it. We don't know, but uh, some commentators say it could have been. Uh, he has a great concern. That's to take care of the rest of the church there, the rest of the believers. Um, these are, this is a, a, a flock, a little flock. God has a plan, and uh, they're going to be put under the gun. If something is not done in this case, if these magistrates get away with what they've just done, then what's going to happen to the church? I think Paul is going to get a little respect for the church here, uh, not only himself, but uh, they're Roman citizens. We're just going to read this and then we're going to close out tonight. And when the day came, the chief magistrates sent their policemen. So there's the chief magistrates. They're the ones that told the police to take them on in there, beat them up, take them in, release those men, and the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The chief magistrates have sent to release you. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. Oh, no, no. No, we're staying right here. <laughs> Paul said to them, They have beaten us in public without trial. They can't do that. Matter of fact, they could certainly lose their positions because of just what they did. Men who are Romans and have thrown us into prison and now, are they sending us away secretly? They know what they did. You know, I mean, they didn't know about the Roman citizens, but the, at the same time, they, didn't have a trial. they can't do that. They didn't have a trial, they yeah, didn't it was all underneath. 
No, indeed. But let them come themselves and bring us out. We'll stay right here. Have them come here. So the policeman reported these words to the chief magistrates. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. Ooh. They were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. You see, you can't do that. I'm a Roman citizen. They can't put one wound on my body as a Roman citizen. That's the right of Roman citizenship. They cannot wound you. They cannot violate the Roman law no matter what. Why didn't Paul say it earlier? Well, evidently God didn't let him. He just didn't do it. Um, maybe maybe nobody heard him. <laughs> but um, they wouldn't have ever gone to jail if they'd been there. They wouldn't have been punished that way. If he, goes to, if he doesn't go to jail, then this whole family wouldn't have gotten saved. Well, they could have. God could have used the other way. But this is the way that God chose to do it. And so Paul says, I'm a Roman citizen. Silas. So you go tell those boys, I've got something to say to them. Get them over here. Come here. So the policemen do it. Tell them they feared. They were scared. They violated the Roman law. Their position is going to be done. And um, what happens with, uh, with Paul and Silas uh, they go back. They go back to the believers. Um, uh, anyway, there, there's the appealing, verse 39. When they brought them out, they kept begging them to leave the city. They're saying, uh, oh, "Hey, we're sorry about this. Uh, you know, please be quiet. You know, don't you know, just don't say anything." I think Paul and Silas played it really cool. Um, they went out of the prison, entered the house of Lydia. You remember, she was the the first one to become a believer there. And when they saw the brethren, other believers, they encouraged them and departed. So they encouraged other believers. I think there's a little bit of respect now for uh, Paul and who he had been around with. And so he just stuck around town for just a while. Didn't go right off like they said. They're Roman citizens. And when they'd seen the brethren, they comforted them, encouraged them, and then they left. And I think they give a little strengthening there to the church, don't you think? They needed that. Young believers. Anyway, God is working behind the scenes, all over, everywhere. He's always doing it. I think that should give us a load of encouragement too with the rest of the that, that church that was there, you know, knowing that uh, God had this all in control, didn't it? This whole time at Philippi. And so they'll march on. They've got other places to go. One of them is Thessalonica. <laughs> the ways that God uses. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this evening. Thank You for Your Word. And uh, sometimes it seems like things go against the grain of what we think is best. And You always have the perfect ways. And uh, Lord, just help us to be reminded whenever things don't go our way, that you're doing a work. And uh, you actually use us in that work. Thank you so much. Thank you for the strengthening here. And uh, thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit who uh, takes your word and uh, makes it come alive. In Jesus' name, amen.